Well, hey, moms, how are you? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of the Funny Mom Podcast with your host, Amy Rossi. I'm Amy Rossi, in case you haven't figured that out yet. I am going to be sharing with you on today's episode my favorite podcasts. Um, I love to listen to music usually, but lately, since being confined to my home with a lot of small humans and my husband, um, I have just taken such a liking to listening to podcasts. And I'm going to be super honest with you right now and tell you the reason why is because I feel that I lack the adult interaction (laughs) that I once had and enjoyed. And I feel like when I listen to a podcast, even though I'm not, you know, live talking to somebody, but I'm, I'm listening to somebody and it's an adult and we'll listen to adult topics like, I don't know, fasting and, you know, how to go low carb and how to make your seven-year-old sit still for homeschool videos. So I have a huge array of different uh, topics that I listen to, but that is my number one reason for listening to a podcast is because it makes me feel not insane and makes me feel that um, I'm getting some kind of interaction um, with other people. And it's great because they're strangers and they don't know that I really am truly insane. So I'm going to start off with a couple of my favorites. I will put everything in the show notes. So if you're looking for any of these podcasts, please feel free to just check the notes and then you'll you'll have the links directly to them. Um, One of my, actually not one of my ultimate most favorite is called Wire Talk. And Wire Talk is a great podcast. It's actually, um, they started, they have a a blog that they had started a long time ago called Birds on a Wire. So if you want to look into Birds on a Wire, you will find their blog. It's amazing. Uh, It's called Wire Talk with Karen Stubbs. And Karen, I believe, used to be on staff at North Point Church. And she focused a lot in children's ministries but since then, she has started mom core and all kinds of curriculum specifically for moms. So I love listening to her. Her topics are so great. Uh, they are usually very timely because, you know, when I see, I do have alerts that tell me when they have a new podcast on my app. And so I'll check it out and I will just say, oh, thank you, God, because this topic is the one that I needed to hear. For instance, um, the topic of the newest podcast with Wire Talk is called Why is Dinner Time the Worst? So yeah, I'm sure all of you can relate or most of you can relate to that. Other topics are managing needs of multiple children, um, building your own family traditions. Obviously, this holiday season is going to look a little different for most of us and maybe not the big gatherings that we were hoping for. And so you know, I, I'm going to give you an example. We spent uh, the past 13 or 14 years going to my Aunt Donna's house, whom I love with all my heart, and we always enjoy it. We used to spend the night up until like a year or two ago and sleep over till Friday, but I just, I, I found it to be more stressful packing up my entire home to spend the night for, for just over 24 hours. So anyway, long story short, she is going to stay put this, 
Thanksgiving. Um, my grandmother's going to stay put this Thanksgiving. We, we're not really sure <laughs> if we're coming or going this Thanksgiving. Um, so needless to say, a great, great podcast, a great subject about starting your own family traditions. Um, so I'm not going to go into all of them, but that is definitely my favorite. Um, the other one that I absolutely love is, uh, let's see, it's this grit and grace life. And it's, it's truly a very real, very transparent podcast. It's two women, uh, Darlene Brock and Julie Bender from, they're from, um, grit and grace life. And they have a pod, a podcast and a blog as well. And they're very funny. So Darlene Brock, I, I would put her in her fifties or sixties and Julie Bender, formerly Julie Graham, she's probably in her mid thirties, I would say. So you have Darlene who has been there, done that. And now she's in the grandparent stage where, um, Julie has, one child and um she has a great story a hard story she ended up becoming widowed in her early 30s and she just actually got remarried a month ago so it's it's a great great podcast if you're looking for someone to tell you that you know what yeah you might be crazy but so so are the rest of us so I like that one. That one's very comforting to me. And so some of their episodes, um, they talk a lot about how you can be a strong woman regard, regardless of where you are in life. So if you're in the throes of parenting or if you're in the throes of a career or a career change um, or suddenly you're a caregiver for your parents, regardless of where you're at, these um, topics really just speak to your heart. And I think they just give you the encouragement. Um, you know, they, they, they want to make sure that they keep their focus on God and his truth. In the meantime, they are, they are spilling tons of reality into you as well. And how we can apply these biblical principles in our lives currently today in, you know, in the, the messiness. Um, so another one that I love is, I don't know why I'm laughing at this one. I think it's because I found this podcast out of desperation on the side of a road one day. I was out for my mommy walk, which for those of you who have not listened to podcast number two, my mommy walk is the walk that I take, which means you're not invited. So they know when I announce from the stairs that I'm leaving the house, all right, guys, I'm going out for my mommy walk. No one is to say, can I come with you? Because the answer is clearly no way. So um, when I say my mommy walk, I go out by myself. So I had gone out for my mommy walk and I think I was crying and I'm like, I don't know how to handle this and my kids and blah. And I was just searching for podcasts and I stumbled across this. It's called the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. And it's, it's actually led by... Um, a child therapist. Her name is Natasha Daniel. She specializes in child anxiety and um, OCD. And so what I, I love about her is that her kids also struggle. I, let me take that back. I'm not happy that her kids struggle. I'm happy that she is coming from a place of personal experience. And she has one kid who has edematophobia, which if you're not familiar with that, that is the fear of vomiting. 
Um, she has one who is super, super anxious and has school refusal. Not that that's an issue anymore. I have school refusal in the sense that I refuse to keep them home anymore. That's a whole other podcast that may be number four. So anyway, I love Natasha because she also has YouTube videos that are specifically designed to speak to children and teens. I'm talking every subject that you can think of that our children and teens are faced with. And I'm sure we're hearing more and more, especially being home with a lot of mental health concerns. A lot of anxiety is starting to rear its ugly head. If it hasn't already in your child's life, this may have brought it on, as well as some OCD tendencies, fears of food, fears of eating, fears of vomiting, fears of being alone, fears of terrible things happening to our parents in the middle of the night. Like these are real, real topics that she has struggled with with her children and she's great. Like she'll say like, I totally messed that up or I totally didn't see that coming. And I'm a therapist, I'm a child therapist and I did not see that. So her topics are just phenomenal. Um, she talks a lot about um, empowering your, your child, uh, giving them power over their thoughts. So for instance, one of mine um, had a, a couple of years of pretty, pretty rough anxiety. And we used to talk about her worry bully and we can apply this as moms, as, as individuals, but our worry bully is a liar and our worry bully sits on our shoulder and tells us that we are not brave enough to go face, you know, I don't know, the bully at school or um, that when we go to school, everyone hates us or we're not cool enough or we're not smart enough. And what happens is when we don't address the worry bully, we start to believe the worry bully's lies. And so as a kid, they can really identify with a worry bully with something like literally just sitting on their shoulder, you know, striking their finger at you and telling you what a horrible person you are. And so we learn to flick the worry bully off of our shoulder. We learn to say things to the worry bully to let him know that you're boss and not him. And so we have done books over the years and everything. But my one of my kids actually had um, gone onto YouTube. I had shown her where to find Natasha Daniels videos and she actually watched them on her own. And I was so excited and so proud of her. And I felt like it was a very uh, mature thing, you know, looking for just some guidance on her own. And um, this was like a year or so ago. And I can honestly say that I still tune into Natasha, even though we're not really in the throes of that anymore. Maybe we will be <laughs> again, who knows? So that's a great one. Um, talks a lot about how you can handle anxiety, red flags. They also talk about how to handle your children uh, as far as any kind of plans that they have at school, whether it be a 504 plan or an IEP, and how you can truly advocate for your child by working with the school, with knowing exactly what to ask for, what your rights are and everything, so that your child is getting the best support that he or she can to help them get through this time. So I encourage you, if anyone is dealing with any of that, I encourage you to check out her podcast uh, as well. So I'm going to get into a little more specific type podcasts. Um, I actually came across this a couple months ago. 
uh, dealing with some sensory issues, actually, with my youngest. Um, she was diagnosed when she was two with sensory processing disorder, and she started receiving occupational therapy uh, twice a week. She does still get OT during school days when she's there uh, for a half hour. And she's really matured out of most of it. But, you know, there's there's still some remnants of it that we, we do come across um, here and there. Or if it's a stressful time, a little more than normal, then we'll, we'll see a little regression come back. But um, the Exceptional Parenting podcast, uh, her name is Wendy Bertinol. Uh, if I said that correctly, but she she talks about um, how to parent your exceptional child. And what she means by that is really for advice for parents who is a child who seems to be an exception to every rule. And I know most of you already have a child in mind right now when I said that. So check her out. She's fantastic. Um, her topics are are very um, spot on. Honestly, uh, she helps she helps you connect dots. So things like sensory issues and the sleep connection, like that was a huge one for us. Um, and how to help your your children, like if if they struggle with um, handwriting, you know, how to help them with some fine motor um, skills and just some things to um, to to practice. She also gives great activities. Uh, for kids who need some sensory input. So you've heard sensory, if, if you've heard sensory before, you can have a um, defensiveness. So like doesn't like hugs or uh, doesn't like covers or doesn't like pants or tags or, you know, their socks to have, you know, the little thing at the top under their toes. So that's like a defensiveness. Um, they can also be like, like have like an auditory defensiveness too, where like loud noises just absolutely trigger them. Um, but you can also be a seeker and be defensive at the same time. So you can seek certain things, you can seek certain movements, you can seek certain input by playing with Play-Doh or by stomping your feet or by spinning in a, in a circle, things like that. So this is truly, if, if, if you suspect that you have a child who may or may not fit into this, I would really check her out and kind of get some more information. Also, I encourage you, I have tons of experience with early intervention here in New York State. So if you have any questions about having your child evaluated and what your rights are, I've done it with all three of mine. So I would absolutely would love to help you and just lead you in the right direction. So keep that in mind. Um, another one that I really like is called the ADH, ADHD Experts Podcast. So if you have an adhd in your home, which I do, um, this is actually from, it's, it's called Attitude Magazine. It's A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E-M-A-G.com. Um, what they do is they, they will showcase some of their leading um, ADHD experts just for like some real life answers to things. You know, you can, you can go on Google and be like, you know, why does my kid not pay attention or why does my kid eat standing up and can't, you know, can't seem to simmer down and, you know, Google will come up with everything from like, you're a crappy parent and it's all your fault to maybe he is, you know, can't have, um, I don't know, something stupid. Like, I don't know, can't have toothpaste. It's the color green. Maybe that's what's wrong. So stay away from that stuff. 
try and go to something more specific. The attitudemagazine.com is phenomenal, but the the podcast really gets deep and you're going to have parents that ask, they literally answer questions from parents. So you're going to have parents ask questions that maybe you have already had in your head or you've already asked and you didn't get any information on. Um, But they give you a lot of information about like how to better school behavior, how to like design a plan for your ADHD or in school, whether they're on medication or they're not on medication. Um, But they really give you some guidance and some step-by-step advice as to how you can truly come alongside um, your your child. And I really how, you know, they, ha- they actually have a podcast uh, topic on distance learning and ADHD. So I don't know about you, but I definitely am drowning with that one. So if any of you are on Facebook with me, you saw a couple months ago, maybe, you know, it's September probably, um, where we were like two or three weeks into remote learning. And my ADHD just could not sit still. And she has to, she learns by video. So her teacher posts a video, she has to listen to the video, and then she has to do like 4 million slides, right? Which we don't do. So anyway, I brought her bicycle with hat that has training wheels and I put it in my dining room and I put the, the um, training wheels in a shoe. So one training wheel in each shoe, right? And um, it, it makes it, it's, a, it makes it like a stationary bike. So <laughs> she was riding her bike in my dining room while she was watching videos. And I, I, the bike was in the dining room for like a week. And if anyone knows me, I keep a pretty clean house and kind of OCD myself when it comes to things in order, having a dining room, uh, I'm sorry, having a bike in my dining room for a week was like a huge step for me. Um, and, a absolutely clear that I've totally given up because I'm like, eh, whatever, just sit on the bike. If you want to have your dinner, I'm not moving it. So this podcast, uh, ADHD experts is great. And it kind of saved me a number of times on my mommy walks when I just wanted to like, I don't know, like walk in the woods and just not come back. I would find a great podcast and think, okay, I got this. Like I can, I know what to do, or I know what direction at least to lead in, or I need to pull back or I need to, do this differently. And, and so I, I truly felt like I, I felt more, um, affirmed in going forward and, and providing my child with, with what she needed. Um, so now we're actually going to dive into, um, something that I have been doing, uh, since July, I guess. So I have been practicing intermittent fasting and a low carb diet. I'm not straight up keto. I just, I don't know, like eating two sticks of butter and a block of cheese, although it's really appealing. Um, I just don't want to die of a stroke by the time I'm 43. So which is really soon. And I I actually found out that through intermittent fasting that I was insulin resistant. And um, the reason I found this out was back in June, I had a hysterectomy and it was the best thing. <laughs> I ever did. It was elective. It was not an emergency. It did not have to come out, but the baby oven was killing me. Um, I was diagnosed a year before that with something called adenomyosis. And I'm sure many have heard of endometriosis. So endometriosis means that you have a lot of swelling in the muscle and everything outside of the uterus. But adenomyosis is when the swelling is inside the uterus. 
So I'll give you, I'll just walk you through a typical week for me. When I had adenomyosis, I would wake up and be normal size for a mom of three kids who likes chocolate. And I would look like I was uh, 14 and a half months pregnant by dinner time. And I would swell so bad. It hurt to go up the stairs. Like it actually, I had trouble breathing. And it was, that was, that I struggled with that because I'm like, I'm not truly eating like this. Why am I getting so swollen and bloated? And I didn't even want to go outside for walks because people are going to be like, I didn't know Amy Rossi was pregnant with triplets. So I actually like stayed in my house for like the longest time. So I found an amazing gynecologist who, um, if you're in the New York Hudson Valley area and you, any of this sounds familiar and you desperately want help, Dr. Dominic Arrow, A-R-O, he's with Horizon Medical in Goshen. I swear that man saved my life. Um, He immediately took scans, diagnosed me. He gave me birth control pill to help it, but instead that set my blood pressure up to 220 over 143. So after a trip to the ER, we pulled myself off of those medications. And I finally just said, Dr. Arrow, um, I had my tubes tied at 35 and I'm 42 and I'm not having any more children. So can we just take the baby oven out? And he said, yes. So June 19th, I went in, I had my hysterectomy. Um, Dr. Arrow visited me that night. I was in overnight and he came in and, uh, you could really tell that Dr. Arrow loves what he does because he brought pictures and his pictures were of my uterus and, um, I was still on pain meds and I was a little loopy and feeling good. So it didn't bother me then, but looking back at the pictures, they were pretty graphic. And he said to me, Amy, The diagnosis that we have after removing your uterus was that was one big uterus. And he goes, we all went, whoa, when we saw it. So it really confirmed that I did the right thing that, you know, sometimes when you go in for a big major surgery, you just hope that you're doing the right thing, that this is the answer. Uh, But I definitely felt that way by 9 p.m. when he showed me the pictures of what was removed from me. Um, It actually couldn't be removed the traditional way. And I will spare you of those details, but it was so big that they had to do some extra stuff. Okay, so I'll just let your imagination figure that one out. So the next day, they're taking my labs and everything and making sure that everything's going well. And he comes in and he says, hey, have you eaten yet today? And I said, no, I just had a cup of coffee and I don't I don't ever take sugar in my coffee. So he said, your fasting sugar is 140. And I'm like, oh dear. So anyone who is not sure of where your your glucose number should be, if you're fasting, it really should be like between 70 and 90. Um, Anything under 100 is good. Anything under 70 is probably too low. But I was 140 and I had not eaten anything. And so that was very concerning. So we did some more tests and come to find out that my A1C, which is the measure of your average glucose for the past three months, mine was 6.4. And to be diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic, you have to be 6.5. I was 6.4. So I left the hospital being so happy that my baby oven was gone. But then I had this whole other animal that I had to tackle. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Arrow, what do do I do? I don't want to go on insulin. I don't want to be on medication the rest of my life. 
I did have gestational diabetes with all three of my kids and I was on insulin for all three. So he said, well, you know, that makes your chances about, um, I don't know, like 60 or 70% higher to actually go into type two diabetes. So, and I have a very, very strong genetic history for type two diabetes as well. So everything, it was completely against me. So I said, well, how do I start? What do I do? He goes, I want you to look up low carb diets. Just start there. Just start to eliminate some things. So I had a lot of time on my hands because my recovery was six weeks and I was vacuuming by week two because I'm insane. But the first week I laid in my bed or on my couch and I let my family dote on me and serve me and many, many, many friends who dropped off meals and ordered food for us. I love you all so much. It was amazing. I actually was hoping that I could like milk it for a lot longer, but I think it'd be kind of obvious. So I had a lot of time on my hands and I would sit there and I would scour websites for keto or hybrid keto or low carb eating slash insulin resistance and everything else. So long story short, I started looking into, you guessed it, podcasts. So I started listening to some and I was blown away and I figured, you know what, the information that they're giving, most of the podcasts, they all had the same consensus, which is um, type two diabetes is 100% reversible. And I think many doctors would say, no, it's not. And many doctors, you know, especially endocrinologists and stuff like that. Um, it, it's one of those, those things where um, when they're taught in med school <laughs> their whole life that we need to follow, you know, the American standard diet, which is a butt ton of carbs and, you know, keep it low calorie. But what I started to learn through lots of research, lots of books, and lots of podcasts was that refined carbohydrates were my enemy. And I started eliminating um, carbohydrates. I'm an all or nothing kind of gal, if you haven't figured that out. So I didn't like wean myself off of carbs. I was like, no more carbs. So I just started having, you know, protein, healthy fat, um, salad, you know, vegetables. I even had to be careful which vegetable, uh, which vegetables I chose. Uh, fruits. Oh my goodness. I have, I have a glucose monitor. So I would have an apple and I would check an hour later and I might as well have had a candy apple smothered in caramel because my sugar would actually go that high. So it was actually very interesting to experiment a little bit, try some things, check my glucose an hour or two later, only to find out, yeah, you know what? You should never eat that again because you're going to die. So I started eliminating all those things and slowly but surely I'm noticing that, wow, I'm having normal numbers. So I went in for um, my follow-up blood work and in six weeks time, I lowered my A1C from 6.4 to 5.9. In addition to that, I also lowered my cholesterol and my triglycerides. I thought my cholesterol would be absolutely through the roof because I was eating hard cheese. I'm eating grass-fed beef. Like I'm eating things that I wasn't normally eating. I was, you know, before that I thought low calorie, you know, um, whole grains, that kind of thing. But that's actually what was, what was hurting me. So my cholesterol dropped significantly, significantly. My triglycerides dropped significantly. And guess what? So did my weight. 
I have done every diet under the sun. I've done Weight Watchers a million times. I've done Isogenics and spent a mortgage payment on it every month. I've done it all. And I would lose, you know, in the beginning, but then it would just come back. And sometimes I would gain twice as much back as I lost. This particular way of life and way of eating, I, I don't consider it a diet. I consider it a lifestyle change. Um, I'm down 16-ish, 16, between 16 and 17 pounds since July. I haven't lost that my whole life, um, except for like when I had a baby. That's it. And I, everything's dropped. My numbers are fantastic. But I started getting into intermittent fasting and I started realizing that I had way too much glucose stuffed in my cells. And so it was like packing a suitcase and you can't fit anything else, but I just keep shoving more clothes in. Well, it's not going to work. So through these different podcasts and books that I read, I started to stop having breakfast. I would just have lunch and dinner but I was snacking in between and I was seeing a little bit of weight loss. Like it, I, I had lost initially and then it kind of stalled and then I went down again, but then I started just kind of messing with it a little bit where I would just have lunch and dinner, no snacks. And then there's some days that I just have dinner. I don't have breakfast or lunch or snacks and I keep it. I keep my body guessing. I'm not on a schedule because I don't want my body to adapt to that. So kind of the scale, the scale makes me angry. I have a name for it, but it's completely inappropriate, but you can, you can guess what it is, but I would go on it and I'm like, how could I be three pounds heavier today than I was yesterday? But my pants are falling off. So the, the scale can really misguide you and it can really discourage you. So I'm really basing it off of more of how do I feel? How are my clothes fitting? How is my energy level? things like that. So I am very, very excited about it. Um, I actually bought the book, The Diabetes Code by Jason Fung. I gave that to my father because he is a type two diabetic. And although he doesn't eat, you know, apple or you know, apple pie and you know donuts and stuff, you know, I'm still trying to also. So this is still episode three, I guess it's part two. I have no idea what happened. I'm still learning how to use the um, app through Anchor, which I do love, but um, I'm just going to finish my podcast. Um, so I, I was talking about the diabetes code book and I had sent that to my father and just in hopes to show that, um, you know, the typical way that we've been learning how to feed our bodies is, you know, it, it's really, um, it's evolved and I feel like I'm living proof. Um, I was on medication for a little bit uh, in the very beginning when my numbers were super high and I'm off of those medications now and um, I just feel so much better. So getting back to that, to my podcast that I love, um, I, I did link it too into the notes, but um, one of my favorite ones that, I, that I've been listening to is called the Obesity Code Podcast and that is with uh, Dr. Jason Fung. He is actually um, a nephrolo nephrolo nephrologist. I forget. That's a horrible word to say on a podcast when you really don't know how to say it. But um, I'm going to give you the basics. He's a kidney doctor. And for 15 years, he was prescribing type 2 diabetics, lots of medication. A lot of them ended up needing dialysis and stuff like that. And then he started to learn more and more about the benefits of intermittent fasting and how it can really help to um, purge 
all of that um, glucose that has just been, you know, sitting there, the insulin that's just been sitting in your cells for so long. And so um, the intermittent fasting, really what it does is it allows your, your body to kind of have a rest. It gives your pancreas a rest. Um, really, we're only designed to to um, digest food, I think like twice a day, it said. So the, you know, the six small meals a day or the constant snacking, um, we're gonna have an insulin spike no matter what, whether whether you're insulin resistant or not, your body, your, your body is going to um, have that spike. And the highest spike that we get is from refined carbohydrates. So the obesity podcast, he also wrote a book called The Obesity Code as well, just like the diabetes code, but they were fantastic. Um, another great one that I just came into is called the Keto Camp Podcast with Ben Azadi. He's a functional, uh, I don't know if he's a chiropractor, I'm not really sure, but he's in functional medicine and he was obese for most of his life. Um, his father ended up dying, I believe, of kidney failure due to type type 2 diabetes. And so his mission was um, truly to start to find out ways where he would not be heading down the same road. Um, he again, just took up the whole research, reading books, everything. And uh, he's lost a lot of weight, but he does health coaching. And uh, he actually has Dr. Jason Fung on his podcast too, which I love those because I feel like I get all of this free wisdom um, from from people in the medical community who have been at this for a really, really long time. And fasting is not new and fasting is not a fad. Fasting is not starving yourself either. And I really encourage you to look into it yourself and, and really find out the, um, the information um, that separates fasting and starvation. You know, starvation is uh, withholding food from your body with no intentions of replenishing it, which intermittent fasting is not. It's a pause in eating. Uh, either you know you're in a fasted state or a fed state. So um, anyway, long story short, if you have any questions about intermittent fasting, I feel like I'm an infomercial right now, and I don't like that. Um, just reach out to me. I am more than happy to chat with you and just tell you where I've been with it and what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Um, but I can see you know on the road ahead how keeping up with intermittent fasting and really having different um, food choices has been a plus for me in many, many ways, um, physically and emotionally. I mean, you know, food can mess with us, our, our brains, it can make us sluggish and tired and irritable. And um, I definitely see big changes there for me since I've cut sugar and refined carbohydrates out. Um, the last one I'm going to recommend to you is called Waste Away, and it's the, um, it's the Intermittent Fasting and Weight Loss podcast by Chantelle Ray. And she's the same, very much like Ben Azadi, where um, she just gives some great advice. Um, she's very inspirational and very encouraging. Um, she has a lot of people on her podcast, too, that really uh, dive deep into um the ins and outs of intermittent fasting. Um, the beauty to it is that there's no wrong way really to do intermittent fasting. It really depends on your schedule and your lifestyle and what you have going on. So lots of information that came at you from, uh, <laughs> from parenting woes to ADHD to sensory to not eating. So all that said, I really hope that you enjoy them. Um, there's, 
if you if you do jump on to Wire Talk, which was the first one that I had suggested for uh, for parents, if you go on their website, Birds on a Wire, you will actually if you can search it, I believe you can. I I think I could probably put the link in there. But um, there's a great test, kind of I guess a test or a quiz on personality colors. And I used to think that was like really stupid. But when I looked into it more, I was like, wow, this really makes a lot of sense. Um, but she, Karen Stubbs, she actually has a curriculum on it, but it's, it's, um, it talks about the four different personality colors and how as parents, if we have very different types of personalities in our children or our spouse, um, just how those things can collide and we can walk away scratching our heads all the time. Like, how am I going to get through to them? Or they probably feel the same way about us, but, um, she gives a ton of information about it and I'll just give you the gist of it. She color codes it. So that's red, yellow, green, and blue. So red is a control freak. By the way, I'm a red. Um, yellow is the fun one, the life of the party. Um, they tend to control by um, being super cute and just melting your heart. Or they can actually control by sadness, by making you feel guilty. Red controls, you guessed it, by anger. And uh, green is like the laid back, chill, whatever. Probably the middle child just goes with the flow. And blue is the perfectionist and the very serious one. So I can tell you that I am definitely a red-yellow, way more red than yellow. Um, I do have a green in my family who is a middle child. And uh, I, I think my husband might be blue. I think, I think he's a mix of green and blue. All that said, it's really fun. And I've been reading a book called um, Personality Plus by Florence Litauer, I believe it is. Um, I can link that to the book was phenomenal. Um, almost done with it. And she just unpacks how, you know, God made all of us you know, intrinsically different. And we have all these great gifts and, and um, we can use it for, to, to strengthen others around us. Um, but I think when we don't know what makes us tick, when we don't know what our triggers are and things like that, and when we don't know what our triggers are of our families, um, we can, we can lock horns a lot. And I am speaking just from experience and um, it's interesting, like just the things that I've picked up on and learned that I might work a certain way, but, you know, Alex doesn't. And I might feel a certain way about how things should be. And he doesn't. And and that's OK. And I think it's learning to 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 understand that and to accept that and to say, oh, well, he's probably feeling like this way because, you know, he's more chill. I'm more like, let's go, Alex. Let's go. Come on. Just crack the whip. Um, I do have a yellow I think that's my my youngest. My my yellow one um, is very much like that, and I believe my oldest is a bit of um, yellow and blue, oddly enough. So I just encourage you if you have some time, you know, between remote learning and um, storing toilet paper for the apocalypse, you can probably uh, get some reading in and find out what personality color you are and what a train wreck it really is in your family. So that's about it. I'm sorry that I did two separate podcasts. I actually just realized that I can only record up to 30 minutes, which is why it stopped at 29 minutes and like 57 seconds. It didn't even stop on 30. So 
Um, it was a lot of information, but again, I just truly enjoy sharing with you where I'm at in this crazy journey of motherhood um, and what's working for me and what's not working for me. And I hope that it's a joy for you. I hope that you find it funny. I hope that you find it encouraging. And I hope if nothing else that I made you smile today. Thanks, guys.